the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we're working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Well, good evening, Abigail. It is great to be with you as we approach the Christmas season. Yes. And um, we have had just such a beautiful, beautiful fall here in Minnesota, and it seems hard to believe that we're only a couple weeks away from Christmas. True, although I will quibble over the beautiful fall when I had to put my kids in snow pants for trick-or-treating. So, oh, that's you know. true, Except with the exception of October 31st. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even a little snow that day, that that's true. Well, we are excited to welcome a, new, a, a, a very um, wonderful guest who is not a new guest to our show. We've had her on multiple times, and I'll let you introduce our yes. guest, Ken. We are so thankful that Catherine Kirsten, uh, who is a writer, an attorney, and senior policy fellow and director at the Center for the American Experiment, is joining us this evening. And she is an expert on all things education and things Mm -hmm. going on here in the state of Minnesota. And Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us again today. We're grateful. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting, Catherine, that we first started talking with you about the social studies standards probably over two years ago. And it has, um, you know, this continues to be a drumbeat that we bring up because we want families to understand the significance of these ethnic or of these social studies standards and what's been added to them. And we've followed it as it's gone through draft one and then draft two and then before the administrative law judge. And then it's all, all got put on pause until the legislature could vote in a new ethnic studies requirement so that they could add in their strand. And you wrote an article recently called Ethnic Studies. It's a sneaky way to stoke (laughs) racial division. I love that title because it is so apropos. Do you want to just share with our listeners um, more about this ethnic studies strand and just how it relates to the rest of the social studies standards? Well, certainly, um, the idea behind that article was 
to explain that uh, the idea of critical race theory uh, has come to the attention of of many families in the the country over the last few years. And uh, it it doesn't have a good brand, let's Mm. say, critical race theory. That's for sure. (laughs) And so that is one reason, I would say, that we're seeing a kind of a pivot to uh, something called ethnic studies, which doesn't carry the same political baggage, at least yet, uh, because people have never heard of it. And, you know, we are a proudly multicultural country, and and we're, we, we, we're very um, welcoming, open-minded, etc. So people tend to have a good feeling when they hear about ethnic studies, because it, it just sounds like learning about your neighbors and uh, everybody belonging. And in fact, uh, Center of the American Experiment did a poll on this last year and found that until people know what ethnic studies really is, they, they tend to approve it when sure. they hear that it's going to be coming to their schools. So, uh, of course, the idea is this, this is not the case at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Our social studies standards have been in the works since uh, November 2020, and uh, the the committee that uh, the Department of Education chose to revise uh, these social studies standards, which by law happens every every ten years, uh, turns out to have been extremely heavily weighted toward mm-hmm. um, ethnic studies activists and mm-hmm. uh, what ethnic studies does. So, so this this so called Strand. Mm-hmm. This whole new uh, set of ethnic studies standards was added uh, by this committee to the, you know, the normal history, civics, you know, economics, and geography mm-hmm. standards that, mm-hmm. that were encompassed in social studies. So what ethnic studies really is, at least liberated so-called ethnic studies, is um, critical race theory on steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, because not only does it teach the usual race-based identities, tribal identities, and of course white privilege and white supremacy, but it really incites students to take action to disrupt and dismantle America's fundamental social institutions. So you'll get a you'll get a sense of this uh, looking at these ethnic studies standards that we we now are in the process of adopting here in Minnesota. And one of the three is called resistance. Mm-hmm. So resist. Um, mm-hmm. what it means, what it's always meant to be an American and our fundamental institutes. Starting in kindergarten, by the way, right. every year, kindergarten through 12th grade, uh, that's what's, um, that's what's on, on our uh, plate as parents for the, for the future, for right. next year. And, and as I think about this, Catherine, and we've, we've had this conversation so many times, what is education? Education, especially at those young ages, should be focused in on reading, writing, and mathematics, right? We're talking about kindergarten age students here that are being taught to view their friends, their sweet friends that they wouldn't even notice race through. They're being taught to view their friends through the lens of race, which further incites division that would never have been there for one thing. But then in, in, in addition to that, if they're being taught to take action and resist in kindergarten and first grade. First of all, how are they supposed to do that? <laughs> they're, they're in kindergarten. They're dependent on their parents at this point. But what it's doing is it's setting them up to be kind of angry, 
frustrated people. You know, you, you talked about how it leads to disrupt and dismantle. Well, when you start teaching kids as young as six years old to be resisting power structures, first of all, you know, how do you even teach that to a kindergartner? And how is a teacher supposed to do that? Um, I can tell you. Well, yeah. And I think you should share with us some of the examples of, of how yes. they are doing that. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. You make such a good point, Rebecca. And so here I'm reading from the benchmarks, that is, the the actual content expectations uh, that, you know, classroom teachers will be expected to fulfill going forward. Uh, uh, So kindergartners uh, have to, quote, retell a story about an unfair experience that conveys a power imbalance. (laughs) <laughs> How about that? First, so that's five. It could be your mom. It could be your mom. It could be well, the it teacher. Will be. <laughs> it will be. But this is all about all about resisting authority. And so, mom and teacher, they're absolutely fair game. Yeah. First graders, quote, listen to this. Identify examples of ethnicity, equality, liberation, and systems of power, and use those examples to construct meaning for those terms. Oh That's my gosh! These are construct these, meaning. <laughs> I'm not making these this kids up. should be learning phonics and how to read a book and their basic math facts, and then instead they're learning about identifying examples of ethnicity, equality, liberation, and systems and of power. Systems of power, but but you make such a good point, Rebecca, uh, because for this year, it's my understanding for the first time a minority of Minnesota students, that's all students, all grades across the state can uh, do grade level reading and math. Right, right. I'm I so mean, glad you so, brought that up. Yes, yes. Yeah. They're not being but taught. We're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to do this instead of teaching the reading. And that's why I say there's not time for all of this. You can't do both. You have to do one or the other, or exactly. you're going to be so weighted in the one direction that you're not spending enough time on the reading, writing, and the math. And I just yeah. would like you to repeat that again for our listeners. We have covered this um, in a previous show this fall, but I think you should reiterate again what you just said about the math and the reading standards here in the state of Minnesota, which used to be, by the way, a you know, oh, beacon right. of, right of excellence, right, right, across the nation, yeah. and now only yes. how, what, what percentage? Uh, taking all kids in Minnesota, um, it is a minority, it's less than half now, who can meet grade level expectations in both reading and math. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, so more than half of our kids mm-hmm cannot perform at grade level. And, and, you know, those are not particularly high mm-hmm. standards, uh, right. but, but even with those you know, relatively low standards, more than half of our kids cannot read or do math at grade mm-hmm. level at, at every point. And, and of course, the, the people that this um, affects the most are the students who are in inner city school systems where yes. they're already not spending enough time on these things and now they're replacing it with yes. these types of, and they don't necessarily, you know, there are some students who are going to have great parents at home that are going to make sure their children learn how to read and do math. And fr- frankly, they sort of end up having to be um, the teacher in some respects, yes. but a child that doesn't have that benefit um, they're at the mercy of whatever is being taught and whatever they're spending their time doing at school. Um, exactly. So, so with black and Hispanic students, 
this is now from memory, but uh, in terms of 11th grade math proficiency, it's something like 14% of black 11th graders and 16% of Hispanic 11th graders who are proficient in oh math. Goodness. That's appalling. That is, so appalling. it is, it is a crime. And I, I really see education as the most important right of a child to receive in this country. And when you look at this whole CRT-based um, social studies set of standards and how it's infiltrated other subjects as well, we have to ask ourselves, what are we really trying to do to help these kids? Because instead yep. of actually giving them a real education, we're saying to them, well, you're victims, and so therefore you yes. can't ever rise above and, you know, they, they accuse the country of systemic racism, and yet there's nothing more systemically racist than holding children down and not allowing them to rise um, yes. and have high standards for them. And I, I, that is the thing that just appalls me the most. It's the opposite. They have the opposite effect of what they supposedly are trying to yes. do. Oh, my goodness. You hit the nail on the head. That's yeah. right. You know, one of the examples, you know, you were giving examples for kindergartners and first graders. Um, but then I would love for you to share this fourth grade example and the high school example as well, if you have that right in front of you. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's geography. Yeah. <clears throat> we have literally in geography pulled out all the fact-based content. I mean, the most fundamental geographical knowledge that you need, like, what are the Rocky Mountains? You know, <laughs> where is the Pacific Ocean? That mm-hmm. has all been removed. If you look at our current standards, which were you know uh, drafted in 2011, they are. They are full of those kinds of examples you can't you can't understand you know let's say the the war in ukraine if you have no idea right. you know, where, where it is, is. <laughs> no, no 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 <laughs> let's not go too far though they absolutely will be able to because they've been taught since kindergarten that they know better and all they have to they don't actually have to know something but they can shout about exactly. it. Yeah, that's exactly exactly. So, so in terms of the fourth grade benchmark, um, um, I've said in, instead of you know learning the names and locations of the seven continents and you know, the Amazon River, they will quote describe places and regions, explaining how they are influenced by wait for it power structures. Unbelievable. And when they study states and capitals, they must include, quote, a recognition of indigenous land these places were built on. So you may not know your states and capitals, but you will know, you know, supposedly what tribe supposedly lived on the, you know, the place where the state capital now mm, is. Unbelievable. Very valuable, important information oh, for your future career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I know we're going to cover this more in the next show. But when you read that again, you know, describe places and regions explaining how they are influenced by power structures. It's no surprise then that we have students all across America, um, you know, uh, marching in support of Palestine, which there was never yeah. was never a yeah. real Palestine anyway. But right. they probably right. don't know that because they've never been no, taught they that. Do not. And, but they have been taught that Israel is a power structure. Uh, yeah. You know, never mind the Hamas or Hezbollah that are you know wanting to just destroy Israel. Um, exactly. But anyway, so we're going to talk about that more in the next show. 
Um, and then finally, the high school, uh, there's so many examples. These are just a few, by the way, for our listeners. I encourage you to go on to the Minnesota Department of Education website and read the most recent set of standards, which I believe it was at draft three that came out just over a year ago now. Is that right? Or Well, it was draft three, but the commissioner has tweaked draft three. Uh, and I, I think to to make it a bit more palatable uh but but of of course you know they they will do exactly what they want to uh, and exactly what they said in drafts one two one and two that's what they plan to do they've just in in a few Mm -hmm. cases tweaked the language to uh uh, to to Mm -hmm. sort of try to avert some of the (laughs) the pushback the worst of the pushback yeah Yeah. yeah, so and to your point catherine you brought this up early in the show that the committee that actually did the review was heavily weighted towards individuals who believe very strongly that we need this type of education in our nation's schools and of course in our state schools and i believe that they were even they even hired a consultant that ran yeah. that committee and she was trained in marxism if i remember correctly i did a little research on her um and she had a very strong she's a consultant and had a very strong bent in that direction so well, of course the leader uh, yeah. of the whole group was pushing in that direction well, the, what you're referring to is a group here uh, called Education for Liberation Minnesota. It is a state chapter of the National Education for Liberation group. And this is truly a radical, polit- well, they call themselves, they want to be a political force in Minnesota, which they certainly are. But they, they, they literally want to see political upheaval here. So yes. on their own website... Uh, well, first of all, I should say they kind of created this this uh, group called the Minnesota Ethnic Studies Coalition. Mm-hmm. It is that group uh, that uh, dominated the, study, the committee that wrote these standards. So on the EdLib Minnesota website, they actually say, quote, the decision was made to pack the social studies standards revision committee. And they say that hmm. their members, quote, authored the ethnic studies standards unbelievable that they're so blatant (laughs) needs to be held accountable for this these people do not represent the average minnesotan in any way and they have been allowed to determine what is going to be taught in our k-12 schools going forward well and talk about not following procedure you know i know you brought that up in your testimony Catherine, and i'm glad you did i don't know um, if the testimony was live or if it was over Zoom, but I I would hope that the judge had to have taken note of of that comment that you made because yeah. that is not the proper procedure and that is not at all the intention of the review committee. It is supposed to be representative, and um, exactly. if they're claiming that they wrote them and authored them themselves, that is a that is such a bold statement for them to to make. Another another topic that I think is important for our listeners to understand, you know, we're talking about power structures and things like that, but this also, this ethnic studies standard also talks about the justice system and the, and the police departments and yes, now, weakening they, that link, right? Well, yes, they, um, they 
removed at the last minute, basically, um, as I recall, specific references to the police, which were in the last two drafts, but they but they kept in the language about the criminal justice system. So, yes, the idea is to portray the the criminal justice system as uh, it's under it's under. um, Let me see. I believe it's under the resistance standards uh, studied in terms of systemic and coordinated exercises of power. Uh, mm-hmm. So the criminal justice system is, is illegitimate. And systemically uh, racist is what they're saying. Right, right. And what, what Idlib, Minnesota, uh, which, uh, again, will be basically will have tremendous influence over how these standards are taught going forward because the legislation passed in the spring of 2023 created a permanent working group for ethnic studies at the Department of Education. And the law literally says its members will be named, quote, with input from the Minnesota Ethnic Studies Coalition. No way. They got written into the legislation? Yeah, and they got money, too. And so they will be um, designing a new ethnic studies framework. They will be um, selecting curricular resources to recommend to schools, teacher training, uh, I'm sure consultants, because so many school districts will not have a clue what to do uh, with these standards. And so they're very likely to be told, hey, we got this great consultant. Don't worry. You know, this person will come in. Well, we know some of those people are and we know partly because of what's happened in St. Paul yeah. where they, they adopted a, a requirement for an ethnic studies course in 2021 a quote critical know that word a critical ethnic studies mm-hmm. course we mm-hmm. know who some of their consultants were and it is it is as radical as you can imagine in terms of quote transformative resistance um ab- abolish prison they have a they have a sign in what they call their seeds of resistance uh sort of graphic where people are holding protest signs and one of them says abolish prison another one says no no uh, no walls no no bars, no walls, no bands, no bands, no walls. So all these kids are going to be learning that this is what's expected, you know, a tribalized racial identity, first of all, and then you must stand up and transformatively resist the the country where you live. Who knows what you're supposed to be working for, but, you know, just kind of destroy what's around you and, and then we'll figure out what the, uh, the proper course forward yeah, is. Which is why so often when you see um, demonstrators getting interviewed, they don't, they often can't answer why they're out there. I mean, there's very few of them that really know why they're out there. They just know they're supposed to be out there resisting. Uh, and that's all across the nation. And, you know, again, I go back to if they claim they're trying to stem, uh, systemic racism, they're actually creating systemic racism because if they don't believe in prisons, and they don't believe in policing. They don't believe in youth having to um, uh, be part of the juvenile justice system. What happens then is that the victims are no longer protected and the criminals exactly. are never given any consequence. And the younger the kids are, the, the sooner you can reach them and help them um, understand what social 
health, socially healthy behavior is. And you Absolutely. can protect them from the long-term uh, prison system. And, and yeah, so to, exactly. to let them off the hook in these young ages saying that you're helping them, you're actually causing more harm. And these kids are more likely to end up in the prison system. You know, you're, you're actually adding to the prison to pipeline or the school to pipeline, sorry, school to prison pipeline rather than, um, actually helping the school to prison pipeline. All of that is correct. (laughs) It's just mind boggling to me. It's just really, really sad. Um, Abigail, I know that you are an attorney and you are a mom of four children and they're young. And what are you thinking as Mm. you are, participating in this conversation. I mean, your kids are at a great school, um, but you used to work at the Capitol in education. I mean, does it shock you how things have changed since you were there? You know, I I actually have thought about that quite a bit um, because it has been, I have not been there for at least 13 years now. So it's, no, excuse me, that may, 10, but I started about 13 years ago. Um, and you know, I do feel like the beginning of my time there was probably that tail end of civility Mm -hmm. in politics where Mm -hmm. I, I I honestly, I remember having the best time joking around with politicians who were not on my side of the aisle. Mm -hmm. We had just the best time Mm -hmm. and, you know, good at collegial, relationship um you know we would exchange friendly barbs and you know everybody's smiling and laughing and i truly i remember sitting around i remember sitting around the conference table once and so that's you know when you have committee hearings you're all kind of in this usually in a u shape uh so you can see a wide variety of people um around the table and i remember thinking i strongly disagree with what this you know representative is saying it was someone on the other side of the aisle but I absolutely believe that this person wants what is best for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, I, right. I, I right. never doubted that. I, I strongly uh, you know, disagreed with their methods, with their methodologies, or that their uh, methodologies would reach their stated desire goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would, I'd fight about that all day long. But, mm-hmm. but I never doubted. That yeah. they absolutely and I, I am reasonably confident that they would have said the same mm-hmm. about, about you know side. people on mm-hmm. the other side of the aisle that hey we mm-hmm. disagree on on how to get there but we agree on what the goal is mm-hmm. for children mm-hmm. and I I don't think that people would say that anymore I, I, I that's really been shaken mm-hmm. seeing yep. what representatives how they you know the legislation that they vote for the way that they are speaking to one another and I am I think a lot of Minnesotans are longing for yes. civility and not that passive aggressive Minnesota civility where we just pretend these issues don't exist mm-hmm. um, not that I think they are longing for hey could we talk about the real issues and not attack one another's character and not you know exchange these snide barbs which mm-hmm. is what all of this curriculum teaches people yeah. to do it teaches them all i could think of Catherine, is oh my gosh it's just gonna raise up more alexandria ocasio cortez's yes. <laughs> people well, who yeah. will you know that's spout true. off yeah. on tiktok but are saying nothing yeah. factual of substance and it's just pure ad hominem attacks 
Um, and yeah. it's just this constant stream of noise. Mm-hmm. Well, you you make such a a good point there and remind me of, uh, I think, something that is somewhat new, and that is literally calculated deception and lack Mm -hmm. of transparency on the part of people pushing this. And so at Center of the American Experiment, we actually had a campaign called Bait and Switch. Oh, that was so good. Yes, we got to talk about that. But Catherine, we are just about out of time. I'm so sorry. The music is about to cut you off. off. (laughs) Listeners, please go back and listen to our last episode with Catherine Kirsten because we did talk about that bait and switch and it was Mm -hmm. excellent. Mm -hmm. It was so good. Everyone, we hope that you really enjoyed this episode. You can listen to it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, can go to our website, etc., etc. Thank you so much, Catherine. For meeting with us this evening. Great to be with yeah. and, you. And listen to us again next week when we have Catherine back to continue this conversation and to tie in also to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Have a great night. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.